Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to take a look at the upcoming solar eclipse in the sign of Libra, which will be with the south node of the moon on October 14th. Now that eclipse is a little ways off, but we're going to preview this eclipse and prepare for it today by talking about three things that south node solar eclipses do. A lot of people get a little bit freaked out when they think to themselves, oh my god, there's a, an eclipse with the south node especially because of the way that modern evolutionary astrology has taught a lot of people to think about the south node. Um, it, you know, people get a little bit freaked out thinking that really, you know, bad old karma is going to be coming up in traumatic uh, ways or something like that. So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, about that issue in particular. But more broadly speaking, I want to talk today about what a solar eclipse with the south node in any sign is likely to bring up. Um, and we're going to look at this from the standpoint of ancient Indian and ancient Western uh, astrology and what ancient mystics had to say about the nodes of the moon. So this is not an evolutionary take per se, but we'll certainly be honoring and sort of tipping our caps to the evolutionary tradition as we go because it's not completely unfounded, this idea that the south node of the moon can represent old karma. And we'll talk a little bit about that too. But the goal here is to prepare ourselves for the solar eclipse by starting to think about what the archetypal nature of a south node solar eclipse might be. Closer to the time, uh, we'll reflect more deeply on the signature of Libra. Uh, because the south node solar eclipse is in the sign of Libra. So if you're listening to this today and you're like, hey, what gives? I thought we were going to talk about this is a you're not even talking about Libra. I like to break things into parts and prepare us a little little by little by looking at the archetypal combinations um, from different perspectives and focusing on maybe certain aspects in one video and then certain aspects in another. So that's why we're doing things in this way today. But anyway, before we get into things. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you're new to the channel, welcome. I hope you will enjoy the content. Your subscription means a great deal. It helps the channel to grow. When you share your comments and reflections, your own experiences, your own wisdom, your own takes on the transit, uh, it creates really nice community for all of us to enjoy. Your insights and reflections become everyone's treasure, which is really nice. I uh, really appreciate all of the sharing that you guys do. It also does help the channel to grow, so we really do appreciate it. You can find a transcript of any of my daily talks on the website, nightlightastrology.com. I want to send you over there right now as well to check out my readings and courses. In particular, the Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic program begins November 18th. It is coming up soon and it is registration time. So you click on the first year course. There are four years worth of professional training curriculum that I provide, uh, that Nightlight staff provides. And um, I lead the courses, of course. But uh, in this program, we are establishing the foundations of ancient Hellenistic astrology, theoretically, philosophically, and technically, and we're learning about the where everything comes from. This is one of the most valuable things you could possibly learn if you're going to study astrology. It's not just a list of topics of the houses, but it's where did houses come from? What is a house? Why did it ever come about? Who thought of it? Why? And where did the topics ever come from? And what's the difference between a house and a sign? And what is a sign? And why did it ever come about? And uh, what is it philosophically and metaphysically? What did they believe about it? Why, why are there domicile rulers and exaltation rulers of signs? These, When you get down to understanding why everything 
in the language of astrology came to be in the first place, you have an understanding that transcends the lists of, you know, adjectives that you might get with signs or planets or houses. You have a kind of skeleton key with which will, will it, with which you can generate uh, lists of symbolic meanings, delineations, in other words, intuitively. And that is the, that's what we want as diviners is to have that kind of intuitive grasp of what we're dealing with because we understand where it's all coming from. So this course is designed to give people that level of understanding. We work really methodically through a year worth of programs uh, of 30 classes on the year. In between units of study, I have staff that leads breakout tutoring sessions. We have an interactive group forum discussion with staff tutors, tons of bonus material, recommended reading and outside of class listening that you can do. Um, at the bottom of the page, you'll find the enrollment options. The one that I really want to draw all of your attention to is the need-based tuition. So if you check out that need-based tuition option, you'll see that we try to, we offer a number of these for every program. We are trying to get people to sign up early because they uh, they run out. And if we get a lot of registrations in the past, in the last couple of weeks, we get kind of log jammed and it gets hard to get everyone into the system. So we ask that people apply early for it. But need-based tuition is there for people who might need a little help making uh, a class like this happen because you have to work within a fixed budget. And we understand that people have a lot going on and a lot to juggle. And we don't want people to go dramatically outside of their means to study a sacred science like astrology. We believe that astrology is for everyone and that anyone who sincerely desires to study and learn and en enlighten their, them, themselves with astrology, which is a very enlightening subject in, in my opinion, that it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be priced out. So we have the tuition assistance there for people who might need a hand. Please use it if that's you and you really want to study. We'd be very glad to uh, have you in the program. I think 50 to 60% of our students over the course of, you know, the 13 years I've been doing this have been on need-based tuition. So we really pride ourselves on making astrology education accessible. So anyway, if you have any questions about the program or need-based tuition, uh, just email us, info at nightlightastrology.com. I hope to see you guys in class soon. Okay, well, thank you for letting me plug my program uh, during this time. It really does matter. I know some of you are like, I've heard you plug this. You plug it every day during enrollment season. But the thing is, is that every day we plug it, we get people signing up. And that's really important for us as a business. And I have no other uh, no other avenue through which I advertise. I, I just, through my Instagram and through my YouTube, when it's enrollment season, I just bang the drum and say, hey, sign up. And uh, it, when you guys um, uh, spread the word and tell other people about the program, we also really appreciate that. Okay, so anyway, today we're going to, um, we're going to look at the solar eclipse in the sign of Libra. And I'm really excited about this because I've been thinking a lot about how to help people not feel so afraid about eclipses because I get around eclipse season, man, people really freak out. And I'm sure a lot of you guys aren't the type to, you know, really lose your head. But I mean, even me, like I, I'm used to astrology, you know, I've been around it for a long time now, like 24 seven and, you know, eclipses always get people shaking in their boots a little bit. And even me, I, I sometimes get real anxious about eclipses. In particular, I've noticed that when the South Node is involved in, ecli in eclipse season, like a solar or lunar eclipse is happening around the South Node, people tend to get a little antsier. And there's a lot of assumptions about the South Node of the Moon and eclipses near the South Node that seem to get people extra 
let's just call it extra um, freaked out. You know, people just get a little bit more anxious. So why is that? Well, um, first of all, well, before we even get into that, let me just highlight it here. So the eclipse is Saturday, October 14th. It's in the middle of the afternoon central time. Whoa, the big circle's back. <laughs> I feel like as soon as it comes out, <laughs> I feel like there should be like a gong that struck, you know, like boom. <laughs> there should be like those deep, like guttural uh, monks that like, you know, that, that their deep guttural chanting should start happening. <laughs> but anyway, big circle, thank you. Um, so there's the eclipse happening right around 21 degrees of Libra, just about four degrees off from the south node of the moon, while Mercury's also in Libra. Um, you know, there's some other notable transits in the sky. Um, Mars is trying, Saturn, etc. We're going to visit some of the greater context of the eclipse, talk about Libra later. For now, the main thing I want you to notice is that that upside down horseshoe next to the sun and the moon is the south node. Now, for those of you who don't know what the nodes are at all, hopefully you'll find this educational, um, you'll learn a little bit. But also what I really want to do is tell people why they shouldn't freak out about a south node of the moon eclipse and what does a solar eclipse with the south node bring in general. So first of all, the main reason that people get freaked out is because uh, you will find that in modern evolutionary astrology, which is a whole school of astrology that was developed in the modern era, the understanding of the nodes um, is, well, putting it simply, the south node will represent past life karma. Now, past life karma does not mean it's all bad and it's definitely not all good. It's just past life karma. The good and the bad of it, the lessons you learned, the insights you gained, the uh, skills that you developed, uh, as well as the old hangups that you have. And this is the main thing that people get freaked out about. The old hangups of the South Node in evolutionary astrology are the things that we are trying to let go of as we reach for the and uh, the, the area of the chart that is indicated by the placement of the North Node. So the North Node becomes kind of like your evolutionary homework or your uh, the new territory that you need to move into. The North Node of the Moon calls you to evolve and like develop uh, in a new way letting go of the patterns of the past as signified by the south node of the moon. I think it was Michael Luton who first said the south node is the bottle, the north node is the meeting. And Stephen Forrest uh, has repeated that in, I think, the, the on his website, if you look at the basic explanation of evolutionary theory and the nodes of the moon, uh, he quotes Michael Luton saying that the north node is the meeting and the south node is the bottle. So, um, while this understanding is not completely off base historically, and it doesn't need to be, you know, like it doesn't, it, new traditions are allowed to emerge and develop, and um, new ideas and ways of interpreting symbols are permissible. So I'm not trying to be some kind of traditional purist or anything. I I I practiced evolutionary astrology for the first several years of my career, and and really enjoyed it, and I I've, I learned a lot from it, and I'm very grateful and. Some of the best readings I've had in my entire life were the ones that Stephen Forrest gave me, for example, and I consider him like one of my astrological heroes. Um, I just think he's a fantastic symbolist and um, a, a, someone who has uh, a great way of telling stories in astrology. So I just want to make sure that people don't hear me wrong. Um, this is not a hate on evolutionary astrology moment. But um, 
but what I will say is that the, and you guys have heard me talk about this before uh, in many videos that I've done over the years, the, the understanding of the nodes of the moon, north node is meeting, south node is bottle, is not, historically speaking, accurate. Um, so for, you know, several thousand years, the uh, understanding of the nodes are, uh, there's some similarities that are really striking between ancient Hellenistic um, uh, astrologers and ancient Indian astrologers, and there's some ways in which they're very different. Uh, but neither of them are exactly like that. North node is meeting, south node is bottle. Um, so the reason that people tend to get a little bit freaked out is because if there's an eclipse around the south node of the moon, the idea here is that old karma is going to come up and it's the old karma that you're supposed to be letting go of. And so people think of that, people tend to think of a south node eclipse of any kind as like an encounter with old patterns that will likely prove difficult and will test you to let go of old unhealthy stuff. Fair enough. I mean, um, you know, from the evolutionary standpoint, it's a valid thing to be concerned about, right? So, uh, but I, I hope I hope to fill out the definition of the nodes and then give you some alternative ways of thinking about south node eclipses, and in particular a solar eclipse today. Um, the main thing to understand about the eclipses, let's start with the ancient Western perspective. The north node of the moon is the point at which the moon in its uh, movement crosses the ecliptic with northward movement, meaning it's going up above the ecliptic as it snakes like a serpent around the ecliptic through each lunar cycle. As it snakes through each lunar cycle, kind of wrapping itself around the ecliptic, almost like a spiral, it rises up above the ecliptic, heading up toward the pole star, or the north star, um, heading up toward the Tropic of Cancer, right? So that upward movement for ancient Western astrologers, generally speaking, was associated with the benefics and with things that grow and are fertile and uh, with increases in fortune. The movement of the moon crossing the ecliptic going downward toward the earth, which is the direction is south, uh, downward toward the earth. Sometimes the nodes are called the ascending and descending node, historically speaking, by the way. So the southward movement heading down toward the earth in the southern horizon was called the south node of the moon, the point at which the moon crossed the ecliptic heading downward in its monthly cycle. When new or full moons happen within a certain number of degrees of those intersection points, eclipses occur. And so the nodes of the moon are in many ways fundamentally about eclipses. Um, eclipses move in, the, the nodes of the moon move through the signs of the zodiac and return to the same signs uh, every 18 to 19 years, roughly. And the uh, intersection point of the same signs but reversed nodes happens about every nine years is the halfway point of the cycle. So in other words, in nine years from now, the north node will be in Libra, the south node will be in Aries, like that. Um, so the south node of the moon had the meaning of a decrease in fortune for, um, uh, you know, like associated with the malefics, uh, with destruction, with loss, um, with disintegration, um, and generally with decline. Okay, so the big thing to understand, though, is that because this was 
the new the excuse me the moon's nodes and the moon was broadly speaking related to fortune that is the everyday unfolding of events and circumstances um like uh, you know the the kind of domino sequence of uh arranged faded events it's like uh the wheel of fortune the moon represents that the increase in fortune represented by the north node of the moon could be for good or bad and the decrease of fortune could be good or bad now generally speaking increase in fortune is associated positively with the benefics but this example is the easiest one to understand you don't want certain things to grow and increase or be enhanced like a tumor in, in similarly uh you don't want negative things uh, or for example uh if you think about the decrease of the south node of the moon associated with the malefics some things you don't want to decrease like your bank account you don't want it to decrease so that you're i don't know um you know you, you become impoverished or something or homeless or you you have nothing um to take care of yourself you know those would be real concerns so that the south node of the moon could represent decline of money or something however not everything that diminishes reduces or declines is a bad thing go back to the tumor you would like the size of a tumor to be reduced so ancient astrologers said that the north node of the moon is about increase for good or bad and the south node of the moon is about decrease for good or bad now when you apply that to eclipses the south node of the moon is going to bring about decreases for good or bad that there's nothing inherently i mean first of all that is so contextual that will look so different for each individual soul according to where the eclipse lands in your chart what it's aspecting the topical nature of the house it lands in and so forth what does decline diminishment reduction what does that look like it can look like a lot of different things however when there's a solar eclipse near a sign of diminishment in the south node you will often have a diminishment that leads to a new beginning or a new beginning that could be described in some ways as uh, a, a, a an active choice to reduce or diminish something's size or to reduce the amount of hours you're working and you know so for example a south node solar eclipse could be about retirement do you see what i'm saying so um that's why you can't just think in ancient Western astrology, there's no mention of the South node of the moon being about like past life karma that you have to work through somehow. It's just a tendency toward decline or diminishment of things or reduction of things, or almost like an austerity or a closing in or a conserving of things like a, it's kind of a conservative Saturnian energy um, that could also be related with endings or closure or something like that. That, that there's no explicit statement that that has anything to do with past lives and old karma that needs to be let go of or that the north node equally represents something that you need to go and do the north node on the other hand would be potentially about things that increase or are augmented or get bigger or more expansive or somehow grow that there's development and in a kind of upward outward type of way it's a little bit more like jupiter but the context is everything because that could mean that your bank account is growing it could mean that um on the other hand it could mean depending on the placement of the 
you know, where it lands in your chart, it could mean that something is gaining in strength or power that's not so good for you. The power that uh, a substance has over you can grow or something like that. So the North Node is not just unanimously good in ancient astrology either. What grows has a generally sort of Jupiterian connotation, but context is everything. Ancient astrologers said it's it's growth and sort of expansion for good or bad. Uh, there's a, a relative qualifier. So that's really important. Now, when you look at ancient Indian astrology, you have the Rahu and Ketu, and they're actual, they're both demons, first of all. So they're both considered malefic in a sense within the general categories of malefic and benefic planets in ancient Indian astrology. But Rahu takes us into new terrain through the pursuit of impulses and desires, especially with an eye for what we think is going to make us happy. If I do this, that will make me happy. If I do this, I'll feel fulfilled. If I do this, that hollow hole in my heart will go away. But Rahu is also described as a hungry ghost that's never satisfied. And so there's this way in which the North Node tempts us into a new fantasy of, you know, if I just go get this or do this or become this, I'll feel whole, and yet it's an insatiable ghost. Rahu is associated with the pursuit of fame and wealth and power and greed that haunts us, for example. So it's not, it's not like some unanimous, unanimously good thing to just go head in the direction of your north node in Indian astrology either. That's where karmic, the karmic science comes from as well, I might add. Uh, at any rate, the south node of the moon, K2, another... Uh, shadow, you know, it's a, sort of described as a shadowy planet, um, but also uh, sort of, uh, this is in the mythology, it's the severed body of a demon who's gotten its head cut off by Vishnu. And there's a whole story around it that's really fascinating. It appears in the Mahabharata and in the Bhagavat Purana. Uh, but at any rate, um, I digress. Where was I? Okay. So K2 will represent an impulse toward otherworldliness, dissociation, escapism, intoxication, illusion, fantasy. Um, but there is a way in which there's a sort of internalized wisdom that has to do with the past and also the things that we learn and somehow integrate that that keep us in touch with spirit the the trans that which is transcendent it's sort of like um it k2 could be very much like the impulse to do psychedelics or to try to evade or escape the duties of our life through you know constant uh drug exploration and meditation and almost like this kind of a spiritual bypassing thing um, with K2, but K2 can represent the, the spiritual impulse itself and is sometimes talked about in that respect as a, you know, very positive indication in the charts of some holy people. So K2, uh, Rahu, by the way, if the impulse that Rahu brings us toward is used in service to the whole, like, for example, if you can channel Rahu into some acts of service for humanity, uh, Rahu can be very helpful. And there's all sorts of things you can do to mitigate Rahu's influence on uh, the kind of insatiable uh, hungers and desires of Rahu. That's not just like some kind of blanket endorsement for going and doing North Node stuff in order to advance spiritually. That's not at all what the tradition is advocating. Now, the South Node of the Moon also can be about trying to evade or escape the world 
altogether. Whereas Ra, who wants to take us into it through the pursuit of desires, K2's like, let's get out of here. But the problem, the, the nice thing about K2 is that that might also include the impulse towards spiritual matters or not being deluded or taken by fantasies that this world could somehow ever fully satisfy us. So K2 can go to the opposite extreme and try to escape, but K2 could also represent some kind of tempering wisdom that we've gained through experiences in the world and, and realizing that a lot of the times, you know, our fantasies are, are futile. They don't lead us to any greater uh, happiness than the, than is ever at hand in the present, you know? So um, that's a really short treatment, but the point is that that's why we can't just say, okay, the south node of the moon, you know, you should be afraid of south node of the moon transits because you're going to have some kind of really intense encounter with the bottle, right? I mean, let's be, let's be honest and say that the south node of the moon can be associated with patterns of escapism, patterns of delusion, illusion, avoidance, um, and some, you know, some really unhealthy impulses, right? But that's that, that that's not all the south node means. And again, it's not as though in place of that, there is some kind of uh, unanimous endorsement. Oh, everyone says in ancient astrology, like, just go do your north node and then you know, you'll advance spiritually if you let go of the South and do the North. So for that reason, I don't think people should be so freaked out about South node eclipses. Um, there's just not the historical evidence to suggest that South node eclipses are, are just all about bad old karma. That's just not. Uh, um, now, here are three things that South node solar eclipses do. And this is, you know, this comes from my experience uh, of eclipses in my own life, South node eclipses, solar and lunar, um, but in particular here, solar, as well as clients, students, and so forth. Number one, South node solar eclipses bring resolution to old karmic patterns by establishing better patterns. Now, this is where I sort of can tip my cap to the evolutionary tradition and its focus on the South node as uh, some kind of past life baggage but for different reasons. Um, so, and let me just say that um, solar eclipses, generally speaking, are like very powerful versions of new moons. So if you think about a solar eclipse, what you're thinking about is like an ultra new moon, which is like a seed that's being planted on a karmic level. It will develop and gestate and bear fruit um, later. Uh, and these cycles of eclipse cycles suggest not your average lunar cycle development, which might be one month, but many, many years, nine and 18 year cycles. So that's why we call them like mega new moons, because the solar eclipse is pointing toward a lunation cycle, the themes of which will run the course of a very long period of time within a certain dimension of your chart, recurring in nine and 18 year cycles. So new moon, solar eclipse, new beginnings. Now, anytime that you are talking about the south node of the moon, you have the potential for there, for there to be a letting go, a releasing. The basic meaning in the ancient Western tradition has to do with diminishment or reduction. Um, you know, circumstance, of course, or fate can take things away 
during uh, south node eclipse seasons where there's just something that's been really important that reduces or loses its meaning or importance. Um, but there's also just a general way in which um, old things that we have been holding on to uh, can, it's time to let go of them. So letting go or diminishing the importance of something, that can be a thing. But then the other thing to remember is that in the Indian tradition, the south node of the moon will represent the internalized wisdom um, that we have gained through attempting to go and solve uh, our problems in the world through the pursuit of various desires or impulses. It's like, well, if I just go do this, that will solve everything. Well, the south node of the moon is about, in a sense, retreating from the world and going inward and cultivating that kind of internal uh like a, a, it's like it's like fine tuning our our moral and spiritual compass. Okay, I've done this. I've tried that, and it was really interesting. Here's what I learned. Uh, so that's the best of the South Node is this way of uh, sort of internalizing and crystallizing the wisdom of things that we've tried that maybe haven't worked or didn't deliver quite the results we thought they would. Um, and so a solar eclipse, a, a time of new beginning in a uh, sign that has to do with, or in a, in a, um, uh, along with the south node of the moon, excuse me, uh, can bring about this sense of um, re releasing or bringing resolution to old things. And I call them karmic patterns here, but anything that's an old behavior, an old choice, an old pattern, something that we've tried, we've learned from, but we're ready to release. But it can release it by establishing a healthier or a new pattern. Now, maybe it's not even healthier. It could be, but it might just be a new pattern, a new choice, a new adventure. It, it's sort of like saying, okay, I've tried this, 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 and this, and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep working at it by trying this new thing. Uh, and we'll see if that does it. Now that could lead to more futility in the end, or it could represent uh, some kind of maturity in your thinking and growth. So the South Node is always providing us with this opportunity to crystallize wisdom that we've gained. And when a, when a new moon solar eclipse is happening with the South Node, you think about the potential to re bring resolution or release to old things by establishing something new. It's super simple. But um, I think the reason that we should get excited about this is because for many of us, this might be just a moment where... Um, we're um we're we we are ready to make a wiser choice we are ready to establish something new based on trial and error and seeing what didn't work so new beginnings rooted in that kind of wisdom could be very auspicious nothing to be afraid of at all <clears throat> now number two might be a little bit more difficult and that is to bring up old patterns in new ways and that's sort of what i was alluding to in point number one where it's like okay well Maybe I'm going to conti continue trying something that's not going to work, uh, but I'm just going to I'm just going to try the same old pattern in a new way. So, for example, um, you know, in a sign like Libra, Venus ruled sign, it could be something like, well, you know, I've had this pattern in relationships that I've repeated over and over and over, and you know, I've I've learned and I'm gradually learning. But sometimes it's like many many years of of digging into these things and making choices and living through the results. And so we, and then we think like we're done or like, I've really, 
I'm not going to fall into that again. Well, South Node Solar Eclipse comes up and you go, you know what? I'm going to try it just one more time. You know, I'm going to just, just one more, give it a go one more time. And for, you know, for some, some of us, that could mean like, okay, I'm going to try, for example, um, maybe you're trying to learn something and you've gotten frustrated. A South Node Solar Eclipse could be about finding a new approach to, to studying something that you've been trying to study for a long time and struggling with. That could be very positive. On the other hand, you might have a terrible way of choosing life partners or people to date. And you might say to yourself, well, I, you know, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to try to do it a little bit differently in this relationship. You know, it's like one more time and it just doesn't work. It's like, you can't, you can't do that. You're going to get into the same old pattern all over again. And you think it's different, but it's not. So that is the kind of beware of a South node solar eclipse is the, the potential to think that you're doing something new, but you're actually doing the same old thing all over again. And only time will tell. But isn't it amazing that actually the potential for both exists here? Bring resolution to old stuff by establishing newer, healthier, better patterns, or bring up the same old stuff in a new way. You know, give it's like sort of like call shit whatever you want, still stinks, <laughs> you know, and that could be the case as well. But it's it, the potential is there for either. And, and that's why it's not just, we can't just think about South Node territory as old stuff that has to be let go of. It's also an area of life that might be ready for us to be, it might be ready to be approached uh, in a new way. It, there might be an area of life that's ready to be lived in a new way, equipped with the integrated wisdom of what has and hasn't worked. And that, that kind of turning over of a new leaf with the South Node can be incredibly positive. You know, so you gotta, you gotta have, you've gotta be really flexible. But to be fair, with the South Node of the Moon and the kind of sort of generic malefic meanings of reduction, resolution, endings, as well as the maybe the attempt to bypass something, the tendency toward escapism. It's like, yeah, denial and illusion and uh, getting caught up in old things and being unable to let go or bring resolution because you're just going to bury your head in the sand and try it all over again. Although you'll get this, you know, what's the, I think it was, was it Einstein who said something like insanity? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting that you'll get a different result. Yeah. Anyway, number three is reward that the eclipse will do is it will reward hard work done. So one of the incredible things about uh, solar eclipses is that the um, the solar eclipse, again, one of the things, it, just generally speaking, it brings something new. It plants a new seed that will take form and grow and develop. If you've put a lot of work in, the amazing thing about the south node of the moon is that it is... It, it has that kind of, especially in Indian astrology, it has the connotation of being about crystallized or sort of in the internalized wisdom of things that you've gone through in the past. And, and that, that's different than saying it's an old hangup that needs to be let go of. It's, it's, it's very um, nuanced. And there's a, a way in which the South Node of the Moon basically says, how much have you learned and it's like a harvesting moment, you know, so it'll give you something new based on all of the work that you've put in. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how South node 
when the south node is sweeping through any area of the house, uh, any area of the chart, any house, that you'll see if you've put work into that area, that the, the insights and the wisdom will crystallize and lead to more mature, more fruitful, um, more like positive results. You'll stop getting the same old result because you've changed. And because you've done, you've put the work in, the South Node eclipses, especially the solar eclipses, which bring something new, will give you a different result because you've changed your attitude, you've changed your approach, you've learned from the past. We don't usually think about the South Node of the Moon that way, especially not when we're just thinking of it as the bottle, right? So anyway, so let's review really quickly. South node solar eclipses can bring resolution to old patterns by establishing better patterns, uh, new patterns replacing old patterns. Number two, it can bring up old patterns in new ways. We can simply try to repeat the past in a new way, which may not be very healthy. Uh, but we all have to work through trial and error, and that's part of that's part of life. It's not really good or bad. It's just archetypal. And then three where you've put hard work in to grow and change patterns, you will see different results. And the solar eclipses with the south node start the process of bringing those new results for uh, new behaviors. Um, really, really important. So there's, there's light and dark with both nodes. And when we get into talking about north node eclipses, we'll talk about why they are not unanimously positive and why they're also not just completely negative. Uh, that, that there's there's just as many gifts and warnings in North Node eclipses as there are in South Node eclipses. So you don't have to fear South Node eclipses, um, in my you know, in my opinion. Now I want to share with you a story. So I, what I did was I just looked through. Uh, let's just see here. So I looked through um, the last time that the nodes of the, the South Node was moving through uh, houses, right? So. Um, for example, uh, as soon as the, let me, hold on, let me just move back here. Yeah. So, um, when the South node of the moon was moving through my career house, I'm going to tell you some stories now to kind of fill out the explanation. And I had, um, some solar eclipses in my 10th house in Aquarius. This was back in like around 2017, 2000. Uh, 18, right about there. Um, those south node solar eclipses uh, shifted me from uh, writing daily content 300 plus days a year to making video content on YouTube. And um, that was a period of integrating and internalizing lessons learned in terms of energy and the time and the exhaustion level and also understanding what I liked doing, the mode or medium through which I like to communicate astrology content. And so those south node solar eclipses led to, in my career house, led to this YouTube channel. Okay, there you go. That's just, just a, a very simple explanation. Now I'm going to go back a little bit further in time. I'm going to take you through uh, the angular houses. So when I had the south node of the moon uh, in my um, first house, uh, it was right around that time. Uh, so, so south node of the moon traveling through 
my first house. <clears throat> it was around that time that I first got interested in uh, lifting weights um, and started started my journey with really like exercise, diet, and self-care. And I, I did so in response to South Node solar eclipses that came as I was also dealing with um, health problems. And the result of encountering those health problems was to make changes and um, to establish new patterns. So again, like there's this cultivating or harvesting of um, an internalizing of wisdom that happens with the South Node and the establishing of new health patterns that have grown over time. By the way, when North Node just moved through Taurus uh, in my first house, I gained a lot of weight and size and strength and so forth. Um, and uh, that's a, that was a Rahu period, you know, as opposed to a K2 period. <laughs> Anyway, there was some other really interesting nuances, but those were south node solar eclipses that uh, really started me on the trajectory that would eventually put me into a much more serious place of development and growth with my physical body um, with subsequent eclipses in the same place. Really fascinating how the nodes also work together in their cycles over time. All right, so if we go back a little bit more, I'm going to go down to... Um, South node eclipses in the sign of Leo, which is the fourth house, the house of uh, home and family. So it was during this time with the south node of the moon in the fourth house of home and family that I um, moved my, my living environment. I moved to New York City and I would move there in the hopes of continuing to work with a publisher that I was writing for through Reality Sandwich and in the hopes that they would publish a book that I was writing about my home and family and it's in, in kind of generational healing through the use of ayahuasca. So I moved and was moving for the sake of trying to um, develop a book about my family. And what it's really interesting to me is that that book was the crystallization of a lot of insights and healing and growth that that were specifically related to my ancestral and and like my, my family, my upbringing, the memoir that I wrote, um, which was published by the people that I met while the South Node was in the fourth house, uh, was all about my home and family and the sort of a, a moment of like internalizing wisdom there. South Node solar eclipses, in my fourth house that propelled me to New York where I met the publisher of the memoir I wrote about my home and family. Okay, so these are not bad, guys. You don't have to be freaked out by them. There's so much there's so much harvesting of what we've learned that come through the South Node. It's very beautiful. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, South Node in, the, um, in Scorpio in the seventh house. <clears throat> This was this dates back to right around 2003 into 2004, and so South Node um, South Node eclipses uh, during that time of life. I had just just broken up with a uh, a long term girlfriend that I had in college, and this is in the seventh house of a place of relationships. And during that time, I went through a couple of relationships that were devastating. I mean, just really hard. Um, but specifically because of those, I ended up spending the next 
you know, five years of my life alone in grad school, um, really refining and working on myself. So the it's what's interesting is that for me, the South Node solar eclipses coincided with breakups. But those breakups were, um, I was pretty young, first of all. And this matters a great deal too, is if you're doing spiritual work, you know, the eclipses, South Node solar eclipses look a lot different when you're 20 than they do at 40, because hopefully we're, we're growing, you know, but, but anyway, when I was, you know, at that stage of life, um, those eclipses were very much like, here's like, just, it was really unconscious material. And actually, you know, in, in some ways I was trying to do the same old thing in new ways during that period of time. And then finally sort of hit my head on the wall and was like, okay, this isn't going to work anymore. And I spent a significantly long period of time after those eclipses, single and alone in sort of writer's solitude. So again, when I, those were probably the hardest, the Scorpio solar eclipses in the seventh, the South node solar eclipses. But what's interesting is that those were the ones that I just went through uh, over the past year and a half. They culminated uh, you know, 2022, the first half of 2023, the Scorpio eclipses. And you, some of you guys know, and I've, because I've shared this numerous times on my channel, that I think Ashley and I have been together for, gosh, 10, gosh, how long is it? 10 years? No, 12 years. 12 years. <laughs> so anyway, we've been together for 12 years. And I would say the single biggest leap that we've taken as a couple, there was no like, you know, crisis of uh, that we were going through, but those South node eclipses, especially the one last October of 2022 started us on a path of, a of really deepening, um, our relationship, our marriage. And I, and I see that frequently, you know, you know, South node eclipses in the seventh house, uh, both the solar and the lunar really will often be happening for people during periods of time where their relationship is evolving in a profound and very positive way. It does not have to be the breakups that I had when I was, you know, in my early twenties or whatever. So, you know, for whatever it's worth, they're not something to be scared of. And hopefully just hearing a few of those stories um, from my own past, because I just was thought, you know, let's look at the angular house south node solar eclipses that I had um, over the years and see what they bring up. Maybe they'd make, you know, it would help sort of put a cherry on top of the presentation today. Um, I would love to hear from you guys. Where have your most impactful South Node eclipses, you know, maybe in, in your seventh or 10th or, you know, your angular houses, where, what years do they fall? If you, if you can track for us and share with us any of your stories, I'd love to gather some of them for a grabbed episode. We can tell stories of the South Node solar eclipses that you've experienced. So if you have any that you could tell us about, I would love that. Use the hashtag grabbed, say South Node solar eclipse and this year, you know, around that time, whatever. Tell us what insights you were learning, uh, what, you know, what rewards for hard work done were being doled out um, or how you were just trying to do the same old thing in a, in a slightly different way. Um, how you were resolving and internalizing the wisdom of the past. It, it would be great to hear from you guys. So anyway, I hope that this has diversified your, your understanding of the nodes and south node solar eclipses in general, and I look forward to more on the eclipses to come. All right, take it easy, everyone. Bye.